3: Hello and welcome to episode number 555 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell and today, Jessica Morgan and Heather Cox, better known as the Fug Girls, are my guests. They have been blogging since 2004 and like me, they have seen a lot of changes in the world online. So we're going to talk about how it seems like yet another media contraction is happening and how that affects us and about their new Substack, drinks with broads. And of course, we also talk about fashion, stylists, and current trends. So if you're still looking at pictures from the Oscars like I am, this episode will be a real treat. Hello and thank you to our Patreon community. You are all wonderful and fabulous. Thank you so much for your support. It keeps the show going. Make sure that every episode has a transcript. Thank you, Garlic Knitter. If you would like to support the show, please have a look at patreon.com slash smart bitches. Patreon members get some pretty nifty benefits, including a wonderful Discord and bonus episodes. So if you're interested, have a look. Patreon.com slash smart bitches. This episode is brought to you in part by Headspace. I know you've probably heard as many times as I have about the power of meditation to improve mental health and well being. But if you've ever tried to build a habit of meditation and found it really hard, consider Headspace. It has really worked for me. Headspace helps improve mental health through guided meditations, mindfulness practices, breathing and calming exercises, and so much more. These tools can help reduce anxiety, boost your mood, and help you sleep better. I like the daily meditations a lot, but my favorite section of Headspace is the focus section. There are playlists of about 45 minutes to an hour of music it well helps me focus it's in the name if you like having background music that's rich and interesting and really soothing but not distracting it has no lyrics a big plus you will really love these my favorite is the arcade fire one i've probably listened to it 20 25 times never gets boring headspace has helped me and more than 100 million people worldwide and they can help you too listen up you do not want to miss this i have arranged something special for a limited time only all of you can try headspace free for 30 days by going to headspace.com slash sarah30. You won't find this offer anywhere else. You must use my link though, H-E-A-D-S-P-A-C-E.com slash sarah30 to unlock all of Headspace free for 30 days. This is not something that they normally do. Headspace.com slash sarah30. And thank you for checking out the links that I share in the ads. This episode is brought to you by Ball & Branch. As you know, I love sleeping, I need sleep. It's a foundational part of my ability to person when I'm awake every day. And with warmer weather ahead and longer days and more things to do, I need to make sure that I get my rest. And this is an easier goal to reach with sheets from bowl and branch. If you are looking to refresh your bedding or upgrade your nighttime comfort, definitely take a look. Ball and branch sheets are made with 100% organic cotton and they get softer every time I wash them. The quality is noticeable, even in the seams, which is not a thing I've paid much attention to before. And I love how soothing it feels to get into bed. The ball and branch sheets look beautiful, but they come in a great, great, great selection of colors. I went with a deep blue gray called Mineral, and it's beautiful but the sheets are also really thoughtfully designed. They have deep pockets for the putting on the mattress, so it's never a problem. And the fitted sheets are labeled with top and bottom tags, so making the bed is never a puzzle or a mystery anymore. They help me sleep better. They are so incredibly soft. It's like a hug when I make my nightly covers cocoon. Best of all, Ball & Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free guarantee with free shipping and returns on all U.S. orders. Sleep better at night with Ball and Branch sheets. Get 15% off your first order when you use promo code Sarah at ballandbranch.com. That's ballandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code Sarah. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, let's do this interview. On with my conversation with the Fug Girls.
2: I am Heather Cox, and I am one half of the blogging duo behind the website Go Phug Yourself. Bug, Fug G. let's hit that G nice and hard. Um, we cover sort of the good, the bad, and the fugly of uh, celebrity fashion on the red carpet, and I do it with my blogging
4: partner Jessica. Hi, I'm Jessica Morgan. I'm the other one. And um, in addition to our work on Go Fug Yourself, Heather and I have also written four novels, two young adult novels, and two. Adult novels. And when you say adult novels, that maybe implies that these books are a bit spicier than they actually are. Um, <laughs> uh, they're yeah. like a they're low low spice. Adult contemporary women's fiction. There's so right. many words that come when you're trying to describe a book. Oh my gosh.
3: And then and then the words
4: themselves are
3: not entirely enough to describe the book. And it's very there's a place for all of it, but it's very
2: funny because when we did switch from young adult to not young adult you would describe it as young adult and adult. And I would do that so casually. And then I'd look and people's eyes would be wide. And I was like, I
3: think you're imagining 50
2: shades. And like,
3: no, if you're looking for that, we're not your girls. (laughs) Yes, it's true. Now, you have been blogging for a long, long time. We just we just established before I hit record that you started in 2004. I started in 2005. So we are now permanent residents of ye oldie blogger old folks home.
4: Right, With our little yeah, rocking chairs budget. on the
3: front porch. Because we've seen the internet evolve. What are some uh, of the aspects of running a blog that you still love? Because I I say this all the time to people, it is such an antiquated technology. <laughs> blogging is so old school, and yet, it, for a lot of reasons, it feels like the the sort of style and ethos of blogging is basically essays and commentary is coming back. But it's. Gosh, still, I hope so. Right. Never
4: really hope so. I mean, I I do think that for us, or at least for me, I can't speak for Heather, the part that I still enjoy primarily is like getting to talk to the people who read the site. I mean, I enjoy the writing part still, but after 18 years of covering the red carpet, there does come a point where you're like, how many more things can I say about a sheer skirt? Let's see. So like, that's a good writing challenge that I enjoy. But I mean, I think for me, I really just kind of like the the aspect of the community around it still. Okay. Yeah, sure. The community aspect is really
2: outstanding. And we just, we value it a whole lot. And we try to nurture that as best we can. I like being able to provide procrastinatory material for people that is what I would want when I am procrastinating. Um, I We resisted sort of the pivots of video and all of that stuff. Because when, I'm, when I was working in an office, I didn't really
3: want my computer to be loud. No, I don't want anything to talk to me.
2: No. And it, it wasn't really an era where there were that many people working in headphones. I guess cuz it's been an intermediate since I was in an office but there's also something that I would imagine that maybe you're not always supposed to sit there and have your ears blocked. So I I just I just didn't want to be listening to the news. I didn't want someone to read me and I I still do it. I still I mean I work from home and if I click on a news story on CNN and I find it's video only I'm like it I just want to read this. Um so I like that we can still sort of offer <laughs> quiet <laughs> quiet procrastinatory time to people who need it. I know people have moved to YouTube channels and people have moved to TikTok and stuff like that. And that's just, it's not my thing. And I like that we still have a website where we don't have to make our faces front and center. And it's not because I'm afraid to show my face or I'm trying to be anonymous or anything. It's just like, it becomes so much more about you when you're sitting there yapping at people. And I feel like I'd rather just sort of let me and my personality and my writing come through in words sometimes. That's just how I'm wired. Absolutely. so I, I like the fact that it, it somehow feels more like I know that we are sort of the two people who run this website and write it and all that stuff, but it feels more like a community to me than with without our faces all over it all the time. If that makes
3: sense? Oh, it absolutely makes sense. I get mad when I open Instagram and it starts making noise at me. I'm like, you <laughs> are a picture. You are for I pictures. Shut I did not up. give you permission for
2: this. I have done a many a rant about the fact that my iPhone silence button doesn't silence the whole thing all the time. Like if I turn off the ringer, I also want it to turn off the volume. I don't want Instagram
4: to come up and be like, "Hello." <laughs> I will say, I think there are so many content creators who are great at camera. Oh yeah. Uh, sure. it like really works for them. And I am very impressed by those people. And I enjoy a lot of folks who do a lot of to camera stuff.
2: It's a skill. It's not my skill, but it's other people's skill. And that's why they do it. And we don't.
3: <laughs> so big question. Big question which is something that I think a lot about because I, I always find the first quarter of every year, like I do my taxes and I do my my end of the year stuff for smart bitches and I sort of sit back and I go, still here, yeah still around, fuck yeah. But so much has changed about blogging. It's barely a word that people use anymore. Like I have to explain, like I'm speaking at career day for my high school students, my high school children's uh, career day on Friday. And I have to explain my job, and basically the slides are: I made up my job, I made it up. It, it's it, I'm a blogger. Let me explain what that means, because they're not going to. Blogging is not a, a native word anymore. What are some of the things that you struggle with? Because I know for me, I feel like we're going through yet another contraction of media and with it advertising revenue. And when I look at major media companies laying off large numbers of workers, I go, oh shit, that's going to affect what comes towards me as a teeny tiny media person. Then I know that means that contraction is coming again.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very stressful right now. Um, Heather and I have had a lot of conversations over the last six months about the fact that money is getting On our end, traffic is basically the same, but the money coming in has fallen dramatically and it's very much outside of our control, which is frustrating. Um, because there's only so much you can do. And I mean, for us, the site's 18 years old and our ad broker will maybe be like, well, maybe you should like get more traffic. And I'd be like, we'd love more traffic, but it's kind of baked in at this point. Like I, everyone wants more traffic. I, I get it. Um, but that's very difficult. I'm 47. I worked at, an internet company in the turn of the century that my <laughs> <laughs> yes, bite <by> your tongue. <laughs> it imploded dramatically the first time the internet kind of went through a huge bust. So I feel like I've been through a lot of this. Yep. Um, and kind of looking at the writing on the wall, it doesn't look good. Um, my boyfriend works for a Gannett publication. So oh. we have a lot of where we're like, this is interesting. This is like an interesting time to be alive for people who write uh, professionally. Our journalists or have blog or bloggers or anyone who depends, I think on ad revenue right now is feeling a little like yikesy about it.
3: It's very yikesy and it's all out of our control, right? It feels
2: like it doesn't really matter anymore what you do or how much you do. It just sort of, it's all out of your hands. And I think for us, some of the, um, some of this, issues come up because web hosting is not getting any cheaper. Nope. And the photos don't get any
3: cheaper. No, you have the licensing for all of the images that you have to use. You have to pay a a, a licensing fee for all of those pictures. You can't just scoop them off of Google.
2: Right. And the way that we've sort of worked that out is that we pay everything once a year. Mm -hmm. Ouch. So we pay for our hosting once a year and we pay for our, all the, we've sort of, did some math to figure out roughly how many photos we would need. And for the most part, we've been right. Although last year, right before the Emmys, Jessica and I were like, we have 30 pictures left the week before the Emmys.
3: I need everyone in a me. group
4: shot. Could all the celebrities please yeah. move into the camera? Definitely. We're like, oh, yeah. look, everyone from Abbott Elementary sent this picture together. We're going to use that one. Sorry, you guys. Yeah, There'll be like a, a
3: senior of picture of the entire senior class yeah. in the auditorium and every, everyone's head is this big. Yeah, that's the one you want. <laughs>
2: Me, her areas were great. Sorry, you can't see it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we 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 have a spot in the year where we are renewing those deals annually. And, and on the one hand, that's stressful. On the other hand, we always have that moment after we pay those bills of being like, okay, well, we have another year yeah. to figure this out and to see what happens. Um, so there are some advantages to that because it's not like we're constantly month to month being like, are we going to have enough money to pay for the hosting this month? Yeah. Um, you know, we kind of know we have that squared sort away, of but it, it, they aren't getting any cheaper. And so we are having to figure. So every year, like sort of around the midpoint, we're kind of like, is there a better, like, do we need to do, like, are we overpaying? Like, you have to figure out if you're overpaying for hosting, which mm-hmm. is something that I don't know about you, but Jessica and I are not super qualified to figure out if that's the case. I don't know what that, I don't know what that looks like. No. So we're, we are 18 years in having to have these conversations that are about areas of the internet that we still really don't understand from a technical standpoint because we've never had to. Yeah. But now from a budgetary standpoint, we're like, well, we probably need to find ways to skim and trim here and there. And that's maybe that will be one of them. Maybe we do fewer photos. But can you really have a comprehensive fashion website without as many photos? And you know, posting less doesn't seem to be the answer because then that's still fewer visitors. like it's, It's very easy to drop out of people's rotations. Absolutely. So if you're posting less or you take a week off or whatever, like people just aren't going to come back. Like there's obviously plenty of other reasons why people might leave and not come back. But like if you're giving, if you're teaching them not to, because there's not new content, eventually they're just going to forget. And that's really the kiss of death. So we're, that's been the the biggest challenge, I think, for us is just, is really trying to figure out how to balance all of that and knowing that certain costs are always going to be there. And so how do we make rent (laughs) if the ads? aren't.
3: (laughs) Yeah. And then there's the question of that I get regularly. Well, have you thought about going to be going into a subscription model where people pay to access the content? And I'm like, I feel like that is the last resort. And that is the death knell of what I'm doing, because what I'm doing is, uh, is, is meant to be Open. It's meant to be discoverable. It's meant to be yeah. for my for my particular corner of the industry. I'm googling this book. Oh, here's a review. Here's a whole discussion about it. Oh, they talked about the cover. And then all of a sudden, my time on site is three, four, five minutes. Like that's what I want. I don't want to make a a, a barrier to that. I and and like you said, traffic has not gone down. Traffic, especially after the pandemic and people looking for books, has gone up. And I imagine your traffic mm-hmm. is going up because I know, speaking solely for myself, I'm all about these. <laughs> Can you explain the Chanel plus Kristen Stewart sheer?
4: Oh. What do, do they hate her? I just had a huge rant. I wrote about this. Just went up on Go Fight Yourself like an hour ago. I don't know. I hear. I actually have a lot of thoughts about this, and it's that I think Chanel really wants to like appeal to like cool young French punk girls, and that is not their brand. Dance with the one that brought you is what I'm. I'm plagiarizing myself um, from today, but like women who are. S- Shelling out for Chanel, do not want their butt hanging out of granny panties in a sheer dress. They just don't. And Kristen Stewart is very cool. Very. And she puts stuff off that she shouldn't be able to pull off, but like she should be able to like arrive at these events in like a cool Rick Owens outfit or like something that's more in keeping with her actual personal style. And I think she made a lot of money from the Chanel deal and good for her. I think that is why a lot of these women are doing this. Um, I think that's what happened with Jennifer Lawrence and her Dior deal. And I actually don't think this is true for either one of them. But you know, a lot of actresses have sort of a short shelf life in terms of acting gigs. And if you can get a ton of cash for wearing these outfits, Godspeed. I just think we have reached a point with Chanel and K-Stew where it just does not make sense anymore Like for either one of them. Um, and the, the, this crazy sheer outfit she wore to the end of the Berlin film festival a couple of ago,
3: okay. it was just
4: like, she has great hair and makeup. So generally, although in this instance, I thought she didn't look very good. No offense, Kristen. I'm sure she's devastated. I'm sure but she's like,
3: listening right now. Like, <laughs> no, you're right. They hate me. I can't even tell you oh how much God. they hate me.
4: You're right. <laughs> Kristen, but if you're like, listening, we think you're great. <laughs> yeah. 98% of the time you look at her and you think well, this outfit doesn't really work, but oh my God, her head looks great. Like oh, her hair is yes. great. Um, and that's been carrying her. And I think her innate coolness really helps. But like, at a certain point, haven't we reached the end of the line with this? I think this is ridiculous. Like, let's just all get a grip here. Chris Stewart is not a Chanel person. That's fine. No. And they really are trying to reach out to the
2: younger set. And it's just not... Um, I'm not really sure who I think is a Chanel person anymore.
4: Um, But it's definitely not taste Do You know, Chanel's most recent collection was very like little Tweety jackets. And that's their milieu. Like... Not everything needs to be cutting edge. Some stuff can just be classic. Like, I want a, a rugby shirt that's high end ish, but not crazy. I'm going to go to J. Crew. I want a like, very expensive little tweety jacket. I'm going to go to Chanel. Not everything needs to be like
3: uber cool. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And given that the trend right now is old money fashion and what are the signals of old money, which most of them are, are actually wrong, um, you'd this- think that Chanel would be like, we we, we we hold on right there. I know ex- I've got wait, just give me five seconds. I know how to do old money. I'll be right back. just don't move. <laughs> just a second. Now, one thing I oh, wanted to word. ask you about if you aren't if you if you are comfortable talking about this, is that I know that you stopped covering the Royals. Yeah. And I have watched this happen with other sites that when they start to talk about the royal family, the British royal family, and other things, the royal content becomes the predominant content because that's the content that gets the traffic. But that's also the content that brings the racism. And it's a bit of a problem. Like I did one episode on on spare and I was absolutely terrified what kind of response I was going to get.
2: Jessica dealt with the lion's share of that because she was the royal reporter. It sort of started unofficially, but then that just sort of became her area of expertise. Yeah. You know, like you cover one major royal tour and like, I don't I don't have a great memory for stuff anyway, but like she covered, like, I don't know, just that knowledge that she had from covering all those tours. She sort of, all the outfits baked in and she was able to contextualize stuff way better. And also she's funny. She just was really good at it. And also she nailed all the voices and stuff. I've never been happier since we stopped covering the royals. And I wasn't the one writing about the royals that often. So that ought to tell you how (laughs) Jessica's
4: feeling right now. (laughs) I mean, basically the short version of it is, the comment section became toxic. And there was no way for us to untoxify it. it. Yep. Unfortunately, it became a net negative for our community. Yep. Um, it made a lot of people who are regular GoFuck Yourself readers feel very unsafe. And we did not want that. And on a personal level, it was causing me tremendous amounts of anxiety trying to like wrangle the comment section, and I just realized eventually that this is not wrangleable. There was a point towards the end there where I, you know, our big Royals post would go up on a Friday afternoon. Oh God! Well, there goes your weekend. Well, it got exactly. to the point where I literally had to close comments every night to go to sleep oh God. because didn't trust that things wouldn't go off the rails in the eight hours I was unconscious. Yeah, and they and
2: routinely I, did that, and then and and then it came off like we weren't moderating the comments, and it's like, but we just. No, we sleep. We're human beings. We need a rest. <laughs> like it was really unpleasant and it was difficult to moderate. And, and for me, I am not a great moderator. I just didn't have the skill to moderate us out of that. And there was something about sort of admitting like I'm in over my head here because I don't think I'm doing this well. And it's hurting us <laughs> and particularly hurting Jessica because she was dealing with more of
4: it than I was. Well, it just got to a point where I was like, uh, you know, no one's enjoying this. It's not good for anybody. This is actively hurting people in our community. That's the last thing I want to do. Just choosing to walk away from that, I think, has probably not been a great, maybe, business decision for us. But emotionally, oh, my God, I've never been happier. I cannot tell you. Like Back in the day, I really enjoyed writing that stuff. It was really fun. Yeah. Um, As things really took a a very nasty turn, um, unfortunately, when Megan joined the family, which is incredibly disappointing. Not it's her fault.
2: <laughs>
4: it just became really, really, really toxic. And um, I think it was for the best for us. And I honestly, you know, some people were not happy with it. And that's okay. Uh, but there's a lot of places to talk about the Royals on the internet if you want to. Oh, there are and, a few. We had to we had to draw a boundary. I do think what I was gonna say is I think a lot of people were upset with it. But I think a larger portion actually of readers are like, oh my God, thank God this is over. That was a nightmare. Like mm-hmm. it is better for us. I think a lot of our, most of our readers, I think are super supportive of the decision and are, like, are happier themselves coming to the website and knowing that they're not gonna read something that's like a terrible microaggression about Megan that's gonna upset them or like any any number of things that like could have gone wrong in those comments. Uh, but being able to go to sleep without thinking like, oh my God, what am I gonna wake up to tomorrow? Yeah, honestly, it's not about my quality of life entirely, but that has been a bonus for me. Yeah, uh, like I just couldn't do it anymore, and I completely understand
3: because if you value the community on your site, you want the mm-hmm. people who regularly hang out in the comments to
4: feel safe and welcome. Exactly, that's a hundred percent.
3: Specifically with the Royals and the British royal family, when individual human beings become emblems of massive, massive societal problems, there's no rational way oh. to talk about the narrative of what they're wearing. Because it's yes. all gonna get wrapped up in white supremacist language and racist language. And it's like I can't deal with the litmus test of can we talk about this without it becoming really, really mm-hmm. ugly and hurtful for other people. So I completely understand mm-hmm. that decision.
4: A lot of our readers were like, this is does not I don't feel safe here. And yeah. I that's That's not what yeah. you want. Gotta go. Mm-hmm. So we, we've been talking
3: about your site and the changes that happen to the income and revenue potential of a site. And, and I don't, one thing I, I don't think a lot of people understand is that when you run a website like, like we do, the revenue comes from many different places. So there's lots of different pieces, like there's affiliates and then there's web ads and then there's direct sponsorship of posts or content and all of these different pieces. So you now have a Substack. Tell me all about it. What led to starting your Substack and how is it a complement to your existing properties to speak in business jargon?
2: <laughs> no, it's funny because um, when you asked, when you talked about freelance writing and we were like, no, we haven't done it in a while, um, it's a muscle that has gotten really flabby for me. And it was the thing I was a little bit nervous about starting the Substack, but also maybe the most excited about it because it is a good skill in a way that, like, yeah, there are days when I sit down to write a post on GoFug Yourself and the blank screen is taunting me. Oh, yeah. And it's, In a, there. it's a space you have to fill and you got to figure it out. But gotta we've got found there. content to fill it out. Like It's like, okay, well, at least I have this picture I can jump off of. And there's something wider open about Substack that is intimidating, but also exciting because um, it kind of feels like, oh, I'm going back to those days where we would freelance, but there isn't like... Jessica and I aren't sitting there trying to come up with seven different pitches for an editor. And like you're not waiting. You can just kind of have fun with it. But I would be lying if I said some of the reason we did it wasn't financial. Um, oh, absolutely. Look, it's financial. I think no shame. We're having a ton of fun with it. And I think we would be doing it even if we had zero paid subscribers. Um, we are thrilled that the free subscribers are there. We love them and we hope that they are feeling like they are getting something out of having us in their inbox. Um, but the option to add a paid element felt like the best chance for us. Because as you said earlier, like we didn't really want to put a paywall on the website. I just feel like making the website harder for people to read every day, especially when you're in someone's diet. You're glad <laughs> you're in their diet. You don't want to lose them. Like just, we would love to keep that free and open. Yeah. And so we were like, okay, well this can be, this is a way that we can add a reader supported element. Um, Because there might be people who would be willing to pay for reading GFY. I just don't know how many there are. You know what I mean? But, but so we were like, well, this could be a way that we can kind of sub- that we can use it to help subsidize GFY in a way that makes the prospect of staying in business there less,
4: frightening yep um so that was definitely part of the decision look i want to be clear that we don't have any plans to like shut down the site or anything right now Mm -hmm. but in the future like who knows if we're going to be able to afford to keep it going to be totally honest and i think it is pragmatic of us to have another place where we already are yep so we don't Mm -hmm. figure out where we're going and like how are we gonna direct our readers to like where we're going next blah 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 so i think that like God forbid something happens to the site, we do have the substack where we can be like, oh, well, here we are in the substack, like read our newsletter. But you know, in addition to that, honestly, like it's really fun. Uh, I'm writing this long, kind of longish piece right now about, I don't know if you know this, but Nicola Peltz and Brooklyn Beckham are in a giant legal fight with their wedding planner. Yes, and then is the is wedding like planner sued them back and it is absolutely bonkers. It's incredible. And wasn't it like their sixth wedding planner at that point? Yes. And I'm running this like long deep dive into it um, as GFY's primary celebrity wedding correspondent because I did a lot of like wedding coverage during the pandemic. And it it is a mess. It is like petty rich people shit, which I love. Other people's
3: Um, petty drama is the best kind of petty drama. I love like when someone says to me, do you want to hear some drama about people you don't know? Yes.
2: Yes. yes yes i do <laughs> sorry to bore you with people you don't know no you're not keep yeah. going i want more
4: and getting to like i don't i mean i could have written it on the website but i don't know that i think it would really have fit in with like our editorial purview um in a way that it does here and i was working on it last night and i was like this is like so fun this is i'm this is really fun like and i got to write a, a review of cocaine bear which i by the way i recommend that was really fun uh, it's you it's nice know to be
2: able to be random like that and not have to sit and and from a purely pragmatic standpoint not have to turn around and be like, Oh, I need art for this piece. Like yeah. I need a photo to put this up on the website and like this is not people slide would be like, about. why are you putting up a movie review? You're not a movie yeah. review website. Like yeah. which I think people who read GFY honestly would give us the flexibility to do that. But it, we admittedly it's hard not to be self conscious sometimes and be like, people are gonna think we're really random. <laughs> if we maybe wanna.
3: so Maybe it's, it's, it's cool. cocaine bear that's dressing Kristen Stewart.
4: There you go. Nice. That explains a lot. Ta-da. Now let's segue. There you yeah. go. Applause, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but she survived Cocaine Bear. It is so fun to get to sit down and write about random shit sometimes. Yes. Like I kind of forgot how fun it was to like be like, what do I want to talk about? I want to talk about this random shit. And like, what a beautiful blurb for our Substack. Please read our random shit. Yes. But um, it just feels like very freeing and it's really fun. I really do kind of think that Substacks might kind of be turning into the new blog. Do they you know are I mean? kind of a blog. They're yeah, many. they're very bloggish. They're, they're just the new iteration of blogging, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And our from a technical standpoint, and I mean, you know how much like yada yada there is on the back end of running your own website. Oh, oh my God. Oh God. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but our website is held together with like chewing gum and, and like twine right now because it's so old. Who even knows what's going on back there? Um. So we spend a lot of time like dealing with technical stuff that is not either one of our areas of expertise or really areas of interest um and substack is great cuz it's just like typeity 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 and they figure out the rest of it
3: Yep. so mm-hmm.
4: that's my plug for substack but it
2: is really fun i still find myself stressing out a little bit about like oh is this too dumb like god are people going to be like what are these dumb bitches talking about
3: um but i have to you know i'm i might be a dumb bitch sometimes. <laughs> That's right. But these are people who, um, the, the people who sign up for a Substack are more than yeah. a they're more than a warm audience to use yeah. industry terms. Like they know you. They're like, no, I would very much like it if you showed up in my inbox. That would be super great. Let's let's do this. Like I have a sub set of substacks that are Basically gossip and fashion oriented, like yours, and they're like my weekend reading. Like I get them on Fridays, I'm like, oh fuck yeah. I'm gonna read about people. I don't even know who the hell these people are. Like, because I like this is something that I think we all have in common is I love the narrative that is public and the narrative that is not. Yes. Mm -hmm. And fashion is absolutely a narrative, but then you have the narrative of the stylist, and then you have
4: the narrative of why are you wearing this? People are always trying to reinvent the wheel. You know what I mean? Like there's only so much you can do with an article of clothing and still have it be an article of clothing, but they keep trying. I think what you said about the public narrative and the private narrative is kind of what Heather and I have been working on our whole career. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, think That's what the website is about. And also, I like, kind of think that's what Royal We is about.
3: Yeah, very much.
4: Oh, absolutely. Um, Royal We is about public and private narrative. So I think that that kind of like tension between the public and the private has been something that we have been interested in for like, 18 years now, you know, I think it is fascinating. fast oh, yeah. think I always want to know what's happening behind closed doors.
3: Like I want to know what the conversations are like between Zendaya and La Roach. Like what oh, kind know. of, what kind of do things do they talk about? Cause then she shows up and she looks absolutely perfect in every possible way. Like just even the way she holds her shoulders. You and know. I, and I look at that and I'm like, okay, so who taught you how to do this? Because there are a lot of celebrities that cannot pose their bodies in a way that is interesting. Like yeah, Nicola Peltz cannot do it. She thinks she can. Oh my god, Kardashians no, cannot just, do it. They think they can, but I'm like, no, this is a skill. And you, how do you learn it? What do you? What What is the instruction? What is the kajabi course about how to hold your body on a red cord? Like who has that? I don't know who I has maybe that. She, maybe she's maybe she's born with it. Maybe
4: Maybelline. Yeah,
2: I don't know. My favorite event, and I think a lot of people feel this way, is the Met Gala. And the reason I like the Met so much now is because. The stylists I find are getting quicker now that Instagram is entrenched. Um, I think the stylists are getting quicker and quicker about putting stuff up on Instagram that explains the outfits. Yes. So when you have like a costume ball and something doesn't necessarily look overtly like it's on theme, but then especially with some of those themes are just like, you're like, I don't even know man versus machine. What are you talking about? Or yeah, manus ex machina. I don't remember what that one was. It was, was it was bizarre. Okay. But, um, yeah. but then you read the descriptions of you're like, well, this is how we developed this outfit. And some of this was printed, 3D printed material and some of this was hand stitched. And we did this on the sustainable XYZ. And you're like, Oh my God, there's like a, there is a narrative to so many of those outfits. Oh, and yeah. we're getting a piece of that private conversation the day of the event. And that's the kind of stuff where that's why that's my favorite event is you get a, you get a little bit of a peek behind the curtain. But yeah, man, some of those kind of stylist conversations I've, I have often wanted to know and people often ask. Can't people say no? Like who has the ultimate stroke here? It most recently came up because um, one of the stylists who styles all the men, um, Ilaria Urbanati, she's, she's real tight with D and G, Dolce & Gabbana. And I think,
1: we're sort of like, ah, oh,
2: wouldn't it be nice if people wore them a little bit less because they're pretty unapologetically awful. And somebody asked in our comments and they were like, yeah, but can't, if she's still tight with them, can't her clients still say no? And that is the question where you're sort of like, how many times is the stylist standing there going, oh my God, like I'm trying, you guys. I'm trying, but this
3: person's a loon.
2: And how many times is the client being like, I'll do whatever you want. I don't care. Yeah. Like, I'm not here. Like that's the stuff I really want to know about.
3: Oh yeah. Have you noticed that style right now, is it like post pandemic? And finally we have awards in person and there's a lot of red carpets. Have you noticed that style seems a bit more like outlandish? Like let's, let's go, let's go all out with some things. One thing I have appreciated is the number of actresses who are very gifted in the chess department, much Mm -hmm. like myself, and they all look Great. They don't look like they have been squished and their boobs are under their chins because there's nowhere else to put them in the in the gown like everyone with a with a with a with a, a nice chestal endowment they all look great. It's like, "Oh, wow, look at all these big yes. boobs on the red carpet. I'm so happy." But then I'm like, "Oh, and there's some pasties." And that's a thong. Um and this is a shower curtain. And I feel yeah. like, "Wow, this is people are just really Going for it in some departments. But this could also be my inexperience talking because I didn't really pay attention for like, you know, two or three years. I was busy, you know, pandemicking. But right.
4: um that's a good question. I will I do agree with you that I feel like bosoms have been well wrangled this award oh, season. So yes. wonderful. The bosoms not being well wrangled. I don't know what happened, but God bless. I don't know if I think people are going more over the top than they did in the past. But I will say I think there was a school of thought where some people thought that the pandemic was going to like doom everyone to wearing sweatpants all the time. And I remember reading that in like 2001 or something and thinking, I don't think so. I think the celebs are gonna come blowing it out when they can leave the house again. Oh yeah,
2: no question. 100%,
4: and yeah. I think that's from the past.
2: That yeah. is there definitely was definitely a, a, a moment in time where people thought it's gonna be the death of the red carpet. We don't need, it's frivolous and we don't need any of this. And we were always sort of banging the drum for like, we kind of do need it. Like, I'm sorry, but it it falls in that same category of how can you be talking about this when there's starving children and a train wreck and people are dying and like, yeah, there are horrible things happening in the world. Like there's plenty of reasons to wake up in the morning and think, oh my God, what happened overnight that I missed? You know what I mean? Yeah. But we need breaks from that. And that's why like everybody needs to contain multitudes. And sometimes I need to read something about somebody's like, visible fong in their sheer dress yes and i think celebrities who are also human probably feel the same way and so when when the world sort of revved back up again i was not surprised to see people coming out and being like no we're still doing this it on nope. the red carpet because like oh my god we need this we need happy stuff to talk about we need crazy stuff to talk about we need ugly stuff to talk about we need stuff that isn't that, that doesn't not. mean everything like i doesn't i don't want to feel like atlas all the time like i don't want to you know i need something like I. i would love write a sub stack about Brooklyn and Nicola and be like, yeah, that's great. That's something that I can read because I don't, I have
4: read a lot about the other stuff yeah. and I need a brainwash. I need um, a brain break. People need to have fun sometimes. Like, I mean, and also no one is like, how are you still watching baseball when there's a war? Like no one says that about sports. I love right. sports. I'm thrilled that I can still watch baseball, but like, people are going to wear cool outfits. It's going to be fun. Let's all enjoy ourselves for 45 minutes looking at these people's ensembles. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the celebrities, honestly, they're working people. They need the press. Like, these people are rich, but they still need to promote their shit. So, Mm -hmm. of course, they're going to put on a kooky outfit and or not. They're going to put on Mm -hmm. an outfit, Mm -hmm. and they're going to go out and promote their project. Like, this is legitimate. Also, one expression
3: of being alive is decorating yourself. Exactly. Even animals do it. Your 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 plumage is part of being alive. Like even if no one sees me, I'm like I'm gonna wear some earrings today because I feel right. like it. It's an expression of self, and being being able to express yourself is an element of being not dead,
2: right? I love watching people parade and promenade. Like I think Shirley Ralph is a great example of that. Having just said, you know, get Carrie Condon sort of is on the scene for the first time and is keeping it simple. Shirley Ralph's been acting forever, and finally is getting critical and well she probably always was a critical darling but she's getting awards love yes much deserved and i remember when she first sort of came up through abbott and was nominated for the emmy and stuff we were like i want her to get hooked up with a stylist who starts getting her some major outfits that are in the vein of the megastar that she is and she's totally i don't know if she's changed stylists but like she is going for it in the best way and like you've sort of seen that needle move and she feels like someone who was like i am in my i'm a fantastic woman look at my plumage um and it's so it's wonderful fine. to see
3: i read um, in the in coverage of the sags that was where she was wearing the beige outfit with the cool sleeves her yeah. daughter is her stylist
2: oh, interesting. interesting she wore a Ghanaian designer to the naacp image awards which is on the site and it was this it's a wonderful outfit and so very different one one eighty different from what she wore to the SAGs, and yet yeah. yeah, she wore them both so well. I think the juxtaposition of those two outfits and which one she chose to wear to what is, is fascinating and storytelling in and of itself. Yes. And yeah, I bet I I just hope they're having fun with it. It seems like they're having fun with it. Yeah, and you know, in the end, I think that's all we want. Even and even with the shears and the hideous stuff that we hate, like don't listen. Keep wearing that stuff. It's <laughs> like don't listen to us. We oh, desperately no. love to like our hair out about a hideous dress so like keep doing that
3: you it need was, that element it can't just yeah. be you know black yeah. tux black yeah. tux you need like
4: cup pow i did not like what as we discussed kristen stewart recently wore but i'm thrilled she wore something so insane because we all wanted to talk about it it's yeah. fun yeah it's I fine mean, like she yeah. doesn't care i don't really think and
2: she doesn't care and i think she totally has the attitude of like it's a, it's an outfit i'll wear something else tomorrow she mm-hmm. seems like somebody who has her head Totally screwed on straight about all of that. Oh yeah, which I think is what why fashion is fun in the first place. Like, we're not trying to stamp out somebody's self expression. Like, we don't think your outfit works. You know, okay. I hope you liked it. But if you didn't, there's tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. You're gonna change your clothes. A hundred. You're gonna change your clothes faster than your hair grows. You'll wear something else. Yeah, exactly. So like, I think it's it's. I I just sort of think she feels like whatever people hate it. Who cares? I'm gonna wear. I'm gonna wear a leather jacket tomorrow, and they'll be like, oh, it's better. She's still
3: cooler than me. Oh. All of us, She can wear a bath mat, still cooler than me, no question. Yeah. yeah. So we've mentioned Cheryl Ree- Cheryl Lee Ralph, we've mentioned Kristen Stewart. Are there any other celebrities or people in fashion that you are paying attention to this year? Because we're in the middle of the start of awards season and we're, we're ramping up. The ball gowns are getting bigger and the coverage is getting yeah. larger. Are there any people in fashion or celebrity that you're really paying attention to this year?
4: I think for me... Uh, Kate Blanchett has been doing a lot of interesting, like sustainable stuff. She's re-wearing a lot of stuff and like remaking stuff. And I think that's always really interesting, um, especially from like an A-lister. Uh, she's so she's, tall;
3: she could wear anything.
4: Yeah, uh, and she's got like quite um, a hist- a wardrobe to draw from. Um, and there's a lot of stuff she's worn in the past that I would love to see her rewear. So I'm really interested to see what she's going to rework or rewear for the Oscars if she does. Um, I think Michelle Yeoh. Has fabulous taste and has had fabulous taste her whole life. Um, so I'm very interested to see what she's going to wear to the Oscars. Her jewelry alone is just—I oh, mean,
2: I just feel like it's—it's it's, we're in an era right now, and and maybe maybe I'm not being fair to the prior eras, but it really feels like there's a lot of older women who are chic as hell right now yes. and being celebrated for it in a way that it wasn't always the case. Like I'm trying to think if anyone really gave a shit what Meryl Streep wore to something in like the '90s, and probably nobody did. But like, you know, and that's maybe not the right age comparison. But it, there, for a while, it really felt like it was youth. It was youth and fashion. And now it's everything in fashion. And yeah. we are talking about Shirley Ralph. And we are talking about um, Michelle Yeoh and Jamie Lee Curtis, who keeps it generally very simple. But it's excellent at understanding. She just sort of has an unerring eye for what works on her. Yeah. And for making something that... Like she wore two dresses this past weekend to the PGA's and to the SAG they weren't necessarily that wildly different, but they were different colors and she styled them slightly differently. And she just sort of, they just both really worked on her and you didn't get yeah. sick of it. Like you were just like, and she just looked really again, chic, yes. not, you know, and, and then Michelle Yeoh is, have, is leaking glamor out of her pores. And it's, it's so cool to be watching those women have their moment. Yeah. Um, and be on and Angela Bassett, like oh, yeah. oh, a, my God. I'm always excited. Like, and, some of the stuff she wears I don't like and some of it is amazing and I don't but it's always fun it's oh, yeah. always fun to watch and I'm always excited when I know she's coming to something and Tracy Ellis Ross, that's another one where you're like what she and Carla Welch work together and they they will go from the, the most outlandish pants to this really simple column dress that she just wore to the NAACPs and yep. both of them work yep so I'm I'm I think I'm just really enjoying that age bracket
3: are like have are enjoying the spotlight did you see Grace Jones's campaign for Wolford?
2: No. Oh my God.
3: Okay. I will send you guys a link. Yeah, she is. The, she did a campaign for Wolford. She is 74 years old. You would not believe it for a second. She is just exquisite. Oh my God. And she's, Ugh. and, and much like Jamie Lee Curtis and Viola Davis, she inhabits herself, like her clothes. Yeah. She is wearing her clothes. Her clothes are never wearing her. Mm-hmm. it's amazing
2: she is amazing and she, you said grace Jones, and it reminded me of jody turner smith who is the person i feel like needs to play grace jones in a biopic someday they should tune. just have a
3: buddy comedy right
2: oh my god yes put him in a car and let him drive across whatever landmass you want and right? i would watch that show but they but and, and jody is extremely funky experimental with fashion so anybody who is looking for a good time look up pictures of her
3: I always ask this question, what books are you reading right now that you want to talk to people about? And if there isn't a book that you're reading, because it is fashion season, if there's a piece of pop culture that you're obsessed with, with please bring that too.
4: Okay, I have two items to discuss. Please. One is pop culture and one is a book. Um, first, you said earlier in the conversation that you love gossip about people you don't know. Do you listen to the podcast Normal Gossip? I do. I do indeed. I mean, I just feel like if you like gossip about random people you don't know doing dumb shit to each other, normal gossip is a delight. Um, It's amazing. I have this in mind because uh, it's coming back pretty soon. Um, But for my book, I'm going to recommend our friend Amy Spaulding has her first women's contemporary novel out now um, called For Her Consideration. It is very award season appropriate. It is about a woman... Um, who falls in love with a an actress um who i imagine the entire time I was reading the book as Kristen Stewart so this is all very apt for our conversation um it is a delightful um queer romance set in la it has a lot of brunch scenes in it so if you like yeah. brunch you're gonna like this normal <laughs> person dating famous person you're gonna like it it is just delightful and i recommend it well, it's also like very entertainingly specific about a very unusual Hollywood job. The protagonist's job is she is like a, an, she works for like a PR person and her job is to communicate via email as the celebrity. She like runs the celebrity's email for them. So they don't have to do their own email. Um, and she But she has to write as if she are, is them. And obviously then she like falls in love with one of those celebrities. It's very specific, which I think, you know, specificity is the mark of a good uh, piece of fiction in my mind. Um, And it is, so it's like really fun behind the scenes stuff. It's just delightful. It's set in LA. Like it's got a great friend group. There's a sassy cat in it. So like, it's fun. Also apt for our conversation, except for the murder part
2: is, um so I've been there. Are two series right now that I tend to snap up as soon as they come out. One of them is the Thursday murder club book series by Richard Osman, which is not a surprising recommendation. I'm sure everyone, um, but if you haven't heard of it, they are, uh, it's set at a, like an old folks community in England. And it's this group of 70 and 80 year old people who, um, their hobby was solving cold cases, but obviously then real murders find them. But like the backstories and personalities of each of the characters, are so beautifully done. Like, I read it, I read it with extreme envy every time because I'm like, <laughs> I wish I had thought of this. And yet I also know I wouldn't have done as good a job at this. I'm glad you thought of it first, sir. Um, the author, one of my favorite game shows in England was this game show called Pointless and the author was on that. And so it was also, that was a fun discovery for me, but I thought of it with us because we were talking about being in the blogger old folks home. And that's kind of what I hope our blogger old folks home experience will be. Um, which will, will be solving capers and, um, being sassy, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, and then Jessica just told me um today that uh I think that Deanna Rayborn has another Veronica Speedwell yep. book coming out. And I forgot they usually come out in March. Yep. And that's another one that I, I get immediately. And those are that's an uh, you know, sassy Victorian lepidopterist, which I only know that word because of her. Thank yep. you. Um and like sexually liberated in Victorian England, solving murders most foul. Um they're wonderful. And uh apparently I'm really into murder right now, you guys, because the other thing that we've been watching is poker face on Peacock.
3: Oh my god, it's um, so good.
2: It's so good. It's the it's like the Colombo style uh murder series from yeah. from Ryan Johnson who did Glass Onion. It's or it's it's really good. And like I have learned about myself since Russian doll that I find Natasha Leone incredibly compulsively watchable because she just has she is so good at making all of that dialogue found like stuff that's just rolling out of her mouth. Yep. Um, she's so natural and the guest casting on poker face every week is always excellent. It's like God
3: tier. Um, hey, it's
2: that guy, right? It's excellent. They, yeah. I, we just watched the episode with Ellen Barkin, Tim Meadows and Jamila Jamil. As you do. Um, and it was, it was pretty sublime. Um, but they've all been good. I think my favorite one might have been the barbecue pit one with Lil Ray, Lil Ray Howery. Anyway. Um, I highly recommend that if you if you if you don't like Natasha Leon, don't watch it because you're not gonna like it. But like I, I find her delivery so dry and funny and natural and I cannot recommend it enough. So good for Peacock. I do not know how Netflix didn't get this because they have the Glass Onion Knives Out series. I don't know what happened, but they have to be kicking themselves right now.
3: I have a recommendation for you if you and you can watch it with subtitles or you can watch it dubbed. Netflix has a Polish series called The Green Glove Gang. It is about a bunch of older women who are burglars and they get found out. And so they hide out in an old folks home because they, they no one will look for them there. And then it turns out things are strange and not good inside the old folks home. So they have to figure out mm-hmm. what's going on. And there's a lot of hints to the fact that, you know, Green Gloves, Robin Hood, what are they doing with their burglary, you know, ill mm-hmm. gotten gains. But it is. If you've read uh, Deanna Rayborn's *Killers of a Certain Age*, yeah, it's a very—it's just just—it's a very similar vibe, and it's so so fun. I struggle sometimes with um with subtitles because I have to like read and then look and read and look, so I don't mm-hmm. ingest them. Like I can't like binge this, but it's so good, and it holds up as you're watching it. It's so good.
2: I would love to try that. Oh, it's I'm funny, sorry. Jessica and I always talk about TV in terms of shows that are like half an eye or one, we call them one-eye shows. Yes. Which are the ones that you have on in the background and you're working and you look up. Like Days of Our Lives would be a great example. Um, but like I watched... I got sucked into during the pandemic when I wanted TV comfort food. I got sucked into all the... Well, not all of them. I got sucked into Chicago Fire and Chicago PD and those are like my one-eye shows. I do not have to focus on these shows. And it's a good thing. It's like I can work while well at night. And I'm looking. And I'm like, oh, it sucks. Oh, okay. Oh, that's heartwarming. But I don't have to give it my full attention. Yeah. But we've been talking a lot about work-life balance. And I think I need more two-eye shows for my work-life balance because it actually encourages me to schedule myself better so that I can sit down and actually fully enjoy the thing that I want to watch. And yeah. that show sounds perfect.
3: Yeah. It's it's a show that you want to engage with with your whole brain. Yeah. You want to be present. The Americans
2: here. was another show. Not a subtitled show, but that is fully a show where I was like, I need to... like I, We took us forever to get through it because I was like, we both need to be 100% yeah. staring at the TV at all times.
3: That show freaked me out because it was based on a couple who lived about two blocks from me in Montclair, New Jersey when really? I lived there. Yeah. The actual Russian spies who lived in a house and then got like just disappeared. That was about two blocks from my house where I lived in New Jersey oh, before I moved cool. to Maryland. And I was like, holy crap, there's a whole TV show about them. Oh my gosh. fact. It was wild. So wild.
0: Please so tell funny. people
3: where they can find you. What's your sub stack? Where, where, where should we find you on the internet? Not in person. That's creepy. <laughs>
2: um okay um, i'll start and just can do Substack. sub stack i'll start with the website which is gofugyourself.com it's the g hit that g f-u-g um and then you can find us on instagram and and still twitter but like mm. what is twitter anymore um and our handle on both is Fuggirls. girls so f-u-g-g-i-r-l-s so
4: we are in both
2: of those places
4: but thrillingly we are also somewhere else jess where are we our sub stack is called drinks with broads b-r-o-a-d-s because we're all a great broads. name
0: such we're
4: a good for, name we're making the transition from being girls to being broads and then later our joke is that we're going to be hags or crones who knows right. both. um but yeah so drinks with broads is our sub stack we would love to see you there we have two issues a week we talk about random shit as we've said but mostly like pop culture stuff um i don't think either one of us is going to be writing like an impassioned treatise about Putin or something. I mean, who knows, but that seems unlikely. Uh, It's mostly celebs, movies, TV, kooky stuff like that. Um, And it's really fun. So come on by.
3: And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. I want to say a deep, deep thank you to Jessica and Heather for hanging out with me and talking business and blogging and fashion and celebrity and trends and weirdness. And I also subscribe to their Substack and it's pretty fabulous. I love reading it. I will have links to all of those things, plus the books we discussed in the episode at TrashyBooks.com slash podcast. And I always end each episode with a terrible joke. This week is no different. This joke comes from Josephine in our Discord. Thank you, Josephine. What do cows read in the morning? Give up? What do cows read in the morning? The moose paper. <laughs> uh, speaking of contracting media... The moon newspaper. (laughs) Thank you, Josephine. On behalf of everyone here, including Wilbur and Katie, who are right next to my microphone, and Katie is growling at him. He's not even doing anything. Chill out. On behalf of all the mammals in my office, including myself, have a wonderful weekend. We hope you have a fantastic book to read, and we will see you back here next week. Smart Podcast Trashy Books is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find outstanding podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcasts. Ooh newspaper.